Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 276 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a principal developer experience engineer at Netlify and host Learn With Jason, a live-streamed video show where he paired programs to learn something new in 90 minutes. He spends a lot of time telling people that the formula for success and happiness is to lift each other up and share what we learn. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. Jason Langstorff. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Jason, obviously that was very much a, a very brief introduction to who you are and what you do. Could you perhaps tell us a little bit more about, about what you're currently doing in your current role? Sure. So I work at Netlify and I work on the developer experience team. And what developer experience is, is trying to find the middle of the Venn diagram between engineering, community, sales, marketing, uh, product and trying to make sure that all of the different concerns that keep a community healthy, that keep a company healthy and keep a team kind of productive and, and happy are being not only paid attention to, but but specifically addressed. Um, so I spend a lot of time thinking about how things work, how things fit together, how things feel and how people feel when they use those things. Right. I mean, that sounds like a very busy Venn diagram. It's a very, it's, it's good for someone like me. I've, I've always been someone who is, um, I have a hard time staying in one groove for a long time. I like to vary the things that I work on. So sometimes I really want to work on writing marketing copy. Sometimes that sounds like the yeah. best thing in the world. Other times that sounds like the worst thing in the world. And all I want to do is write some code, or maybe I want to design something, or maybe I want to talk to people, or maybe I want to hide in my office and not speak to anybody for a week. Um, and what I've what I found is that developer experience is a really good blend of all the things that I like, and with enough variety that I'm able to kind of satisfy that part of myself that always wants to be trying something new or doing something different. Right. So you pretty much have the freedom to 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 do something. Obviously, when, when you get to a point where you think I've had enough doing that, I could just move on to something else. Yeah, you know, the 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 role has its OKRs and the things that we're responsible for. Um, but I I get to arrange my days in such a way that there's a lot of variety, which is really nice. Yeah. Okay. Is there a risk that you may not finish things that you start? Typically, no, because we have the the authority. Um, you know, our, uh, my manager, Sarah Drasner is, is very good at giving the team the authority to push back. So yeah. we're able to kind of set our own boundaries for what's reasonable for us to complete. Um, and so we tend to have a lot of conversations scoping down, making sure that the thing we take on is a thing that we're going to finish, uh, and yes. making sure that we don't accidentally overpromise something and, and end up with, uh, one of those projects that drags on forever. <laughs> Indeed, exactly. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, so Jason, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Sure. So I think one of the things that has been most beneficial to me in my career that really seemed at the time, like I was 
wasting a lot of time is it's really helpful to enjoy the work that you do. And the easiest way to enjoy the work that you to do is to play. And so I am a big fan of the, the motto that I kind of throw around a lot is play until it pays, because a lot of the things that I do for work are things that I used to do to make myself laugh or to troll a friend or to play with a new idea or to just scratch an itch where I, I felt like I wanted to learn something. And so I'd pick up something and try it. And that, that sense of exploration and, and trying to keep myself entertained is what's led me to a position where I can be in developer experience and play with all these different roles because I've, you know, my curiosity and my, my sense of adventure brought me into trying all of those things. Um, it's also the entire basis of learn with Jason, which is, you know, the, the goal of learn with Jason is I bring on an expert and they teach me something I've never tried before. And I have an absolute blast being a newbie. And, um, in the, in the course of that 90 minutes, I get introduced to something. And a lot of the things that I've been introduced to on the show are things that I now do all the time and get paid for. Right. Okay. So obviously experimentation is a part of that, that process. How much of your time mm-hmm. do you allow for that sort of experimentation? Um, I mean, it's, I, that's not really a fair question for me to answer now in my career because it's a huge amount because it's, I've built it in. Um, but early on in my career, I, I would do this. I would always try, um, maybe to, to phrase this as like helpfully as possible and not just like, here's what I do. Um, the, but what I've always shot for in the the early stages of my career, when I was strictly, I was a product engineer, I was on a, a team to build products. Uh, I would always shoot for whatever I knew plus about 10%. So if I could, I would try to find a way to do a tiny experiment with about 10% of my time that wouldn't detract from my ability to do my job, but it also wouldn't require me to work out of company hours. And this is a reasonably popular thing. You know, Google, I think, popularized the, the idea of 10% time. And I've seen it at a lot of companies since. When I was at IBM, that was their policy there. Um, when I've worked at Gatsby and at Netlify, there's, there's a lot of encouragement to take some time. You know, You have to hit your goals but take some time to try things during your working hours so that you can expand and learn. And it's really, really easy to talk yourself out of doing that, to say, I don't have time, you know, we're too busy, there's too many things on the, on the roadmap. But what I've found is when I take that time, if I take you know, half a day on Fridays to play with an idea, and you know, half a day on Fridays, that's 10%, four hours is 10% of 40 hours. So my half day Fridays, I play with a new idea, it sends me into the weekend with something buzzing in my brain. And sometimes I don't have a lot of plans, so I keep playing with that idea on the weekends. Other times I've got plans, so I don't do any coding on the weekends and I just let that idea bounce in my subconscious. And then when I come back to work, I've got a slightly more lateral approach to the way that I'm doing things because I've learned something new. And that's this, it's kind of the idea of if you get 1% better every day, that is an enormous amount of growth over a long period of time it is exactly yeah so it's interesting to hear what you said about um working potentially on the weekend to do those sorts of things as well because obviously every every company has a mm-hmm. different culture and some are less less open to that that sort of uh sort of personal experimentation right. and improvement so taking the time out to do it yourself is an important part of of that yeah 
Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I always get a little careful about how I talk about this because I don't want to imply that anyone ever needs to code in their spare time. It is not a requirement to be a successful developer and it is not a requirement to advance in your career. However, if it's fun for you and if it's a thing that you do because you enjoy it, I don't think there's a problem with playing in your off time. You know, coding for me was a hobby before it was a job. I worked in a, a FedEx office and the thing that I would do to like amuse myself was build little websites or make a website for my band or things that things that I wanted to do because they were fun for me. Um, yeah. And so I, I think, you know, that that in a certain sense is an advantage because the thing that I do for work is the thing that I want to play with on my spare time. But I've also found the other side of that where I was coding so much and over so many hours that I burned out entirely. And I, you know, I like flamed out of a job and, and moved to Thailand and like couldn't focus at all for a year. Um, so I think, you know, this is it, it's it's important to make sure that you're checking your own boundaries. But if it's fun for you and if it's something that you enjoy taking time to play as a hobby and making that into something that you learn from is uh, is an absolutely great way to to level up if you've got the bandwidth for it. Indeed, yeah, that's very well explained. Yes, thank you. Good. So, Jason, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Uh, well, I, I touched on it briefly, but I used to run an agency. My first real web development job, I started as a freelancer and over time grew that into a, a consultancy where I would build websites for small to medium businesses. And at the most successful dollar wise, I was the least successful personally that I'd ever been. And what I mean by that is we were bringing in a lot of money and the, the company was growing and, and we were getting more clients and we had a great reputation, but I was just completely wrecked as a person. I was working 90, 70 to 90 hour weeks. I never had time for my friends. I was, you know, waking up, checking my phone, going to sleep, checking emails. I would ignore my friends through meals so that I could, you know, respond to messages from clients. And I just was never not working. And that culminated in me being so just physically exhausted that at some point my body gave up and my beard started to die and fall out of my head. And, um, for, for two years after this, I just had these big bald patches on my chin because I had, I'd stressed myself out so hard that I gave myself stress induced alopecia. Um, and so that led to me just realizing like, I, it doesn't matter how successful I am on paper. If I'm physically breaking down, like I, it, if I make all this money and I never have any time to enjoy it and I'm like actively decomposing here is that success? Is that really what I want? And it got me to think more about what I really want to be. And, you know, um, there's a, a axiom that I hear thrown around sometimes, which is we don't live to work. We work to live. And if we forget to live, then why bother working? So I've, I've, it really helped me reframe that, you know, my, my goal here is to work just enough to enjoy my life. And my, my goal has no longer become, I want to be a, you know, a, the CEO of a multimillion dollar company where I make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever. 
uh, I don't care about that. What I, what I want is I want to be successful enough that I am able to make all the work that I do voluntary. And that is a very different thing, right? Like I don't want to ever have to work. I want to be in a position where I've worked enough and now I can choose to do things. I can choose yeah. to do what I want. And I'd like that to happen before I'm 75, you know? <laughs> I hope so, definitely. <laughs> and I've got to ask, how, how is the beard now? It's, uh, so once I fixed my work-life balance, I, I dropped from about 90 hours on the, on the top end to about 45 on the top end. And, um, you know, I took that, that long, I'd spent two years just kind of traveling around and doing light contract work to pay the bills. And that helped me do a full reset. And, uh, and so now I've, you know, I'm, I can grow a beard again. Uh, this, <laughs> my beard is not fake. If you look at pictures of me, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's, you know, the, the reset there I think was really important because I, uh, it helped me find the fun again. Like, I, I feel like I never, I never enjoyed my job when I was in the worst of it. So yeah. getting that space, let my body heal, let my, my excitement heal. And it kind of let me look at, at tech as a thing that I could be excited about again. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so maybe something a bit brighter. Can you tell us about your IT career highlight? Uh, I mean, this is going to, I swear this is not because it's my current job, but where I work right now is the best thing that I've ever had the chance to do. Um, and so if, if I'm, if I'm being very arrogant, I could, if I wanted to, I could work as a consultant solo and I could make a great living. You know, I, I know that there are pathways forward. And if you look at people in the industry, like Wes Boss and, and Kenzie Dodds and, Yep. they're doing these amazing things with education and training and, and they make a great living and they have a great time. Um, and I know that that's an option for me, but I, when I think about where I am right now, there is nowhere else I would rather be. You know, I work with some of my, my best friends and heroes in the tech industry, and I get the chance to work on a team that is like demonstrably better than me in certain areas of of this job. And so I'm, I'm not just getting to do the thing that I like, which is, you know, the developer experience work I described, but I'm also in a position where people that I respect are able to directly help me improve. You know, I'm getting regular feedback. I'm getting insights into how someone like Cassidy Williams is able to create this incredible content and what her process is, right? So I'm learning that as opposed to just having to look at what she puts out and then try to reverse engineer it. Um, and right. I, and I, I have never had so much fun in my life because I, you know, I learn, uh, on learn with Jason, I learn in my job, I learn in my off time. So I'm just always in positions where I'm being, you know, challenged and I'm, I'm growing and I'm learning new stuff and it's, it's an absolute blast. Good. All right. Good. Um, so Jason, can you tell us what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT? I think the thing that I'm most excited about is the opportunities that I'm seeing come up remotely and the way that that has been starting to create more opportunities for everyone. Um, and, and something that I'm really, really excited about is the way that people like Benny Kunchi have has put together uh, diversifiedtech.co, which is a, a great platform 
to help expose more people from underrepresented groups to uh, IT jobs. Um, and then like Paris Athena has put together Black Tech Pipeline for, for similar purposes targeted toward the Black community. Um, and what I'm seeing is that's feeling less and less fringe and it's feeling less and less uncommon to see people from all backgrounds instead of people who all are in Silicon Valley and all kind of look and act the same. Um, I love that that's not uncommon anymore and that we're, we're seeing more and more of those companies kind of grow and, and expand. And, um, and so for me, like before I went to IBM, I'd only ever worked on teams full of 20 something white guys. And I was a 20 something white guy. And so I had this very like narrow view of the world. And when I went to IBM, it was kind of like getting the lid blown off. You know, I talk about learning and one of my favorite ways to learn is to, is to try to learn how to talk and connect to people. And when I got to IBM, I realized how much of like talking to people I was missing by not being exposed to so many people. Um, and so ever since then, that's been a, a pretty big driver in my decision-making on where I go. And that's uh, another part of what landed me at Netlify is that this is kind of a, it's a top of the line concern um, to make that a priority and to, to make that difference. Um, and so having that, that, having that feel less like something that is a, passion project for a particularly politically active employee and instead seeing that become something that is a, a core value for companies, I think is really exciting. And I, I'm really looking forward to how that's going to impact not just the way companies look, but what they create. Like what does a, what does a product look like when it's actually created with an entire representation of the community, as opposed to, you know, a, a young white guy making guesses as to what other parts of the community would want with AI or with, uh, you know, different products. Like, I, I think that's going to be just absolutely fascinating to see how ethics mature, how our, our actual embrace the way we embrace accessibility and inclusion, uh, when we do that in the company level, what that does for the rest of society. It makes, it makes me feel pretty hopeful. Yep. Okay. I mean, obviously 2020 has been a, you know, a, a year of change and being has been quite traumatic for a number of reasons. So yeah. do, do you see that as quite a, a driver for, for change as well? Do you think it's going to make a, a a difference, almost like a step change or change of gear in terms of making these things happen? I What I hope sincerely is that 2020 is the, like the thrash that comes as an old way of thinking is on its way out. Um, yeah. And I, I, I really hope that what we're seeing is as we're moving into a new way of, of approaching things, people who oppose that are loudly losing is what I'm hoping. Um, because what I, what I would love to see is that this is not just a painful year that leads to more of the same, but that this is the catalyst that it was not fun you know, but it, it was something that let us move forward and that, that made enough of us aware of the problems. Cause I, I also think like, I didn't, I, I still don't, and probably never will understand the, the level of just exclusion and, and suffering and just like day-to-day -day nonsense that people who don't look like me put up with. 
2020 has helped put that more into the spotlight. We see more of what is actually happening to people who don't look like us. And so it's made me feel much less like there's going to be a when this is all over. And I think that, you know, we've we've looked at the pandemic, we've looked at the 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 protests in in the United States, the protests going on in Nigeria right now. And yep. I don't think when those end that we get to go, ah, good, this is all done. Right. We we this was the thing that made us aware so that we can continue pushing. Um, and I think that before, you know, if you would have asked me in 2014, I would have assumed that when the protests were over, that the problem was solved. And, and I've you know, the, what 2020 has helped me realize is that that's not true. Um, and so I'm hoping yeah. that that's kind of what we carry away from it. Yeah, I hope you're right. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? (laughs) Being a broke musician. um, I could Uh not afford to hire someone to help, and I was in a touring band. And so I I hopped on W3 schools and took my best crack at it. Right. (laughs) What is the best career advice you've ever received? Draw the box smaller. Um, This was something I heard from a vice president at IBM when I was attempting to get adoption of a new product that I was working on and teams were, were pulling away from it. They were saying, no, we don't want to do that. It's, you know, we don't have time for that. And he pointed out that in the, in the diagram, I was making it look like what I was asking them to do was as big or bigger than what they were already doing. And so he suggested just shrinking the problem. What I'm actually trying to do is take a bunch of work away. So show that, make it, make it look and feel as small as possible so that it doesn't feel like a big undertaking. Um, And that was a, a big switch from what I was used to, which was trying to sell excitement and, and change. And I'm like, wow. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was a really big, I think, turning point in my maturation at thinking organizationally, as opposed to just thinking like one-to-one, you know, hey, developers get each other stoked about new tools. Yep. That's an interesting one. I've not heard that. So <laughs> thank you. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> all of the, all of the ones that, that we hear kind of repeated over and over again, the, um, you know, the, like you work, like you have to feel passion for, for your job. Like, you know, you, you, we're all in it for the money and we should just be honest about that. Like I work this job because it pays me well. And if it didn't, I certainly wouldn't be here anymore. You know, like I love yep. the job, but it's also a paycheck. And if I could do whatever I wanted, you know, if I was independently wealthy, I probably wouldn't be working. Let's be honest. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's, uh, I, I wish that we would stop acting like work is family or work is our passion or our calling. Um, if we work for someone else, if we work for a company, it's a job. And, and if yeah. we're honest about that, then we can have honest conversations about how it can be a job that we like and a job that we care about. But if we try to treat it like a family, that feels really disingenuous. And I've, I've never liked that because it, it feels, you know, like talking about family is a way of twisting people's arms. And I think that, you know, when I talk about my family, the only time that I've ever had someone use the, well, we're family thing is when they've done something wrong, right? Like if, if my family is if I'm like yelling at my uncle because I didn't like the way he said something and my mom pulls me aside and says, oh, you can't be mad at him. He's family. 
Like, that's the kind of thing that I don't want to see done in a company. Like, oh, you can't be mad at the CEO. We're family. It's like, absolutely, I can be mad at the CEO if they did something wrong. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I think I would focus on, um, well, today's world being fully remote, I would be focused a lot on trying to find the the healthy communities and trying to become a like high contributing active member of those communities. Because what I've noticed is that this industry is driven very much by referrals for better or worse. And so there are communities yeah. that I think are very closed off and, and you kind of have to be invited by somebody who's considered important. Um, and those, those communities aren't fun. They feel like a, like a scrabble, like a zero sum game, but then there are communities that are really warm and welcoming and everybody's kind of a win for one is a win for all. And I, I really, really like that feel. Um, and so for example, I hang out in, uh, the party Corgi discord, which if you're interested is at partycorgi.com. And it's just a collection of people who are all at all stages of their career. Some of them are, are educators. Some of them are, are product engineers. Some of them don't work in tech at all. And we just take care of each other. Um, and what I've noticed is that that forum has been a constant source of referrals and people getting contracts or people getting recommended for jobs or people getting resume help. Um, and, and that sort of thing is so valuable, especially in a world where if you're sending in a resume, a resume that comes with a warm intro is immediately going to the top of the stack. Um, and, and so I think, you know, if I was getting back into the industry, knowing what I know now, that would be my first thing would be how do I develop the relationships that will get me the warm intros that will get someone to think like this person deserves a chance. Yes. Yeah. That's good advice. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? I'm currently focusing on how to operate well on a team. Um, I have always more or less been independent. Um, when I started my career, I was completely independent when my agency grew I always kind of acted as as the um, kind of lead from the front type of person. And I think I was a bad leader because of that, because I would close my employees out and I would end up, you know, this is why I worked so much. I was trying to do it all myself. Um, yep. And then when I went back into consulting again, I was a, a solo person. And so IBM was the start of me learning how to work on a team. And I think I, I learned some things. Um, when I went to Gatsby, I feel like I learned some things. I learned some stuff I wanted to do, some stuff I definitely didn't want to do. And now that I'm at Netlify, that's been my major goal is like, how can I not just be in a vacuum good at my job? Because I think, you know, I've, I've reached the stage in my career where I've, once you hit senior developer, I think, you know, senior is the last part where you advance by getting better at your own work. And every step beyond that and, and moving from, you know, senior to principal or staff or, or distinguished or whatever the, the role is on your company's ladder, those are all about how effective you make the people around you. Um, and that's something that, uh, that Sarah Drasner taught me and, and something that I've kind of think about a lot is that there's nowhere else, like I will always be able to get slightly better at, at tech, but I've, I've passed the point of diminishing returns here. If I get better at coding, that will be marginally useful to me. Like I'll be able to solve my own problems faster. If I get better at making the people around me more effective, if I get better at making people feel empowered and smart and capable, that 
will impact my career in a huge way because that's going to teach me like if I do want to start a company, how do I have a company that doesn't crash and burn, that has people that respect each other and build great things and work well together? And I think that comes from the, the leadership example. Um, and so that has been a, a huge focus for me and something that I think is, is really important. Yes, that's interesting to hear. And I think you're right in, in mentioning leadership as well in particular. That, that's a, a skill that, that, that will develop over time, definitely. Mm-hmm. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? As odd as it may sound, being the front, the the lead singer of a band, um, I spent a lot of time. Well, okay, maybe not just being the lead singer, but being in a band, because as the lead singer, I had to learn to get up on stage in front of a bunch of people who couldn't care less about me. Uh, <laughs> I I had to yep. be okay looking like a goofball because, you know, we were a rock band. I was wearing makeup and the tight pants and the the black hair. And, um, and then I had to learn how to negotiate. I had to book our shows. I had to argue with the venue owners about whether or not we got gas money. I had to coordinate with other bands. I had to get posters designed and printed and shipped to, you know, teenagers in Phoenix, Arizona. And then I had to stay on top of them to make sure they hung those posters up so that anybody would show up to the concert. And that, that type of, that skill set, you know, whether or not I was good at it, I feel like prepared me for a more broad, uh, adaptable approach to work where things are always going to be changing. Things are always going to be on fire, especially in, in startup land. And through that experience of, of trying to keep the wheels on this band, I learned how to adapt and roll with the punches and think on my feet. And that has been extraordinarily valuable as, as I've kind of grown in my career. Right. Yeah. That's good to hear. Definitely. And although you may have answered this earlier, but what do you do to keep your own career energized? Um, I just play like as, as much as I can. I like to, to find people that are fun to be around. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the learn with Jason guest list, they're there are people that I bring on all the time because they're just, they just bring so much joy into my life. Like Shirley Wu is one of my favorite people in the world. And the whole time that we're on the show, we just giggle and we always manage <laughs> to build something fun, but like the, the full 90 minutes is just jokes and laughter. And yeah. every time I have one of those, I can't wait to do the next one. And I think those are the moments that I'm always looking for. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the show is one thing. It's a very kind of an odd or uh, not usual setup. But in my day job too, I, I do the same thing. Like I, um, I have these sessions at work. We're working on a, a new project that will hopefully ship soon that the way we're building it is we set up a zoom call and we all work together. And sometimes we all work on the same thing, or sometimes we're all just on the same call. But while we're doing that, we're goofing around, we're joking, we're making each other laugh. And that makes me look forward to working on this product. And, you know, this is, this is something that isn't like, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's, it's, this is not a passion project. If it was just this project and I didn't have the team around me, I would be so bored because it's like, you know, is, is if you, in the most reductive sense, it's just another website, but because of the way that we're building this and because we've set it up to be collaborative and we get time to, you know, be goofballs with each other while also doing the job, it's fun and I look forward to it. And so I think setting up those, those kinds of, um, 
especially now that we're all remote, setting up those opportunities to be a team and not just be people who work on the same projects. Um, I think that's so important and it, it gives me so much more energy for, for working. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I do a lot of things. I, um, recently have been really into cooking. So I've been trying to learn a lot of different ways to make good food. Um, my most recent thing has been perfecting the smash burger. So um, the smash burger is, uh, if you've ever been to a Shake Shack, that's the the style of burger they do. And I've been trying to figure out how to make one of those at home that's like my, that's exactly what I want. Um, yep. And so that's that's leading me toward my my eventual retirement when I've when I've made enough money that I can afford to lose it by opening a restaurant. That's what I want to do is open up a little <laughs> burger food truck. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like good fun. <laughs> Jason, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Definitely focus on your people skills. Um, I think that I, I've talked about this a little bit already, but the the technical part of the job is table stakes, and um, I think you know the the most the the most powerful piece of advice that I that I ever got is when somebody said to me, you know, look, we can teach somebody how to code but it's really hard to teach somebody not to be an ass. The focus on figuring out not just how to do something, but how to do something in a way that makes people feel like they were included in the decision, like you're bringing everyone along, like you're you're trying to build up a team as opposed to hoard credit or defer blame, you know, the the skills like how do I how do I say that something went wrong? without making somebody feel like I just threw them under the bus? Or how do I have a success in a way that makes the whole team feel like we succeeded instead of me saying, hey, everyone, look how smart I am. Um, those little skills have paid such dividends in a way that, like it feels really good to get a piece of software working, but it feels amazing to have somebody DM you and tell you that you're like a source of light in their life. You know what I mean? Like that, that feeling that you you give energy to the team. Oh my God, it's so good. You made the difference. Yeah, exactly. Good. And finally, Jason, how can we find out more about you and connect with you? The easiest place to do it is through my website, jason.af, uh, or on Twitter, which is my handle is at jlangsdorf. Great. Jason, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, Phil here again. Now, if you thought about being a guest on a show yourself, or you have somebody in mind that might be a good guest, please do let me know. You can reach me on Twitter, where I'm at PhilTechCareer, or you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can even contact me through the website, which is itcareerenergizer.com. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.